Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Two Nordies podcast. As always, I'm joined by Timmy Lam. Hi, everyone. And uh, this week we have Cork City um, and Hull um, Corinthians player, Brian Lennon. How are you keeping, Brian? Well, good, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming out to meet myself and Timmy. Um, when I, I put up on social media, you were coming on the podcast, and there's a lot of people excited. There's a lot of people love you mm-hmm. out there, and you're well known. But for those who might not know you, um, who are you and where are you from? Uh, who am I? I don't know who I am. Um, <laughs> well, I'm, I grew up in Douglas. Um, I've my mom, my dad, my sister, and I think football from the age of four or five was just my life. Um, so I was lucky. I live very near Corinthians. So I started out there and uh, began to love football more than anything in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of brought me along a certain amount, but... Um, I think in the end, my career, if you want to call it a career, was an epic failure. Um, but I've accepted that and I'm, I'm moving. I'm a lot happier now than I was when I was playing football. Good. So I, I can't have any complaints. Good. Mm-hmm. And that's great. It's great to be able to, you know, look back at the disappointments and kind of yeah. accept it, you know. But what was it like um, playing for Corinthians? Like, my, I, my knowledge of Corinthians is that they always win. <laughs> <laughs> More often than not. But I think that's just because there's such a a big pool of children around that area that are coached from their five up until whatever. Um, I think that creates kind of an envy with other clubs. Not that Corinthians is better than any other club, it's not. It's just um, they have a good system there and good people and good coaches. Like there's people who've coached me at five five years old are still there now coaching. Mm. People like um, Terry O'Donovan and other people. So yeah, it was a really brilliant club. Yeah. Um, and they have a great setup out there. They do. Um, they have a great setup and they're trying to build a full size Astro now at the moment. Um so yeah, things can only get better for them. Yeah, definitely. Um and then you made your way into the League of Ireland. I did. That was probably the most enjoyable part of my career. In two thousand and fourteen when I started playing under um John Caulfield and we had a really good team. I think we kinda of overachieved and it galvanised the whole city. I remember being on the bench when Tommy Dumb's the manager and there might be two thousand at it and then when we got 2014 there was six six and a half seven seven and a half thousand people coming on a friday and it's like oh, such a good feeling mm, how old were we back then uh, 19 19 yeah yeah there's an unbelievable feeling playing week in week out for your hometown club mm. with people with friends mm. like as i said about yeah. john Kavanagh, one of my friends playing with him playing with players like colin healy garrod marky souls yeah, yeah. But that was a great year. I was, was at all those games of that year with my friend Richard. You know, we used to go every week. And you're right, it was a full house nearly every week. And it didn't matter who you were playing. There was always a full house. And then if it was Rovers or Dundalk, you're lucky to get a ticket type of yeah. thing, you know. Brilliant. And there was a lot of big games as well. I was talking with Garrod last week. Um, 
lot of late goals and big, big, you know, it was so exciting in the city at the time. Unbelievable, it really was. The, like the buzz of playing, I remember kind of when we read the other team would be tipping off at the start of the game and I'm just there to myself, just looking around and like, wow. Are you nervous? <laughs> yeah, just kind of a nervous energy or whatever. But I remember going to the game in 2005 when they beat Derry in the last game of the season and everyone invaded the pitch and I was running. I mean, I was like, what are you doing? I was running down the wing pretending I was Liam Kearney. <laughs> And well, I ended up playing with Liam then. You did, you did, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, as you say, I was, you know, dreamed as a young fan. I never got to play on Turner's Cross Turf, like, did you, Tim? I remember be, as a child, I, I wanted to be a footballer as well. Um, and I used to be out the front of the estate. We lived in our Cullen, there was a green area in the middle of the, the, the estate. And I'd be out there in the rain, and I'd be doing laps around the little green. I'd be putting, uh, say, bottles and stuff in the middle of the pitch and I'd be going to the first one and back you know I really really wanted to to be a footballer and I was play. I played school boys with, with St Mary's and we had a fantastic man um, on, over us at the time and I, to this day I still I still look at him as one of those good people in my life when I was young his yeah. name was um, uh, Ned Connolly okay you know he's from Cathedral Road um, he was very very good to me but he died a few years later. I think he, he had cancer or something like that. Um, but he was a fantastic man, you know. But I always wanted to be a footballer, you know. But You were good too, Timmy. I was. I wasn't bad. I was. I was always on the Cork teams. You, know, yeah. you have Mary's and you picked, you did pick, what is it? The, the school the, boys. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I enjoyed that, you know. And I, always, I was one of these people that put other players on the pedestal. Yeah, but I was as tough as nails. Then you know I'd get stuck into anything. I wasn't, I wasn't the fastest player or the most skillful, but I had a massive heart. I had a lion's heart, and I'd go hell for leather for the team. I'd run into a wall. Yeah, you know. But um, do you want to tell us? And you'd run after if you don't want that. Do you want to tell us about the time the game got abandoned over? Um, I'm putting the spot here, look now. Do you know, just listen, I had a fiery temper uh, during games, and sometimes it came out the wrong ways. You know, sometimes during games. No, this was just, no, junior football, no, GMs. Yeah, yeah. GMs had to get this one in, like. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, um, the life I lived, there was a lot of violence in my life, and I had a lot of anger issues, and, you know, um, many times my, my arms swinged. You know, for, for for people, which was unfortunate, but um, for some people at times, but uh, it, it, you know, it, it was football. It yeah. was always, always after the game. I always went up and I apologised or whatever. Or some people wouldn't. It kind of you know, but I loved. I was very passionate about football. You were down was, a cove to me, were you? I was down a cove for a year. Down, down I was brought down by uh, Martin and. Um, Henderson Henderson Stephen Henderson mm-hmm. was down there I could never give it my full football I'd never give it my full because of the drug addiction um, and everything else that was going on in my life but I really really loved the game and I, I still to this day without being arrogant or big headed about it like I feel if I had right guidance mm. at a young age because I had that drive and that heart I, I probably would have uh, gone for done well yeah. I really do believe in that, you know. And but you know what? It just goes to show, and you can have similarities there. Yeah. It's like you can have all, all the talent in the world, but you are, you need a bit of luck as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I remember, I remember that season, as I said, 
um, in 2014, like, uh, you stood out on the pitch, you know what I mean? And we used to watch every week, myself and my friend Richard, and we were like, Brian is going to get the call, yeah. you know what I mean? Brian is going to go mm-hmm. because, like, he's he's only 18 or 19. There's so much potential there. And you did. You went to Hull. Yeah, I was very lucky. Um, obviously, we were doing well with Cork City, and I was playing well, and everybody was playing well, so it was great. Yeah. And then some clubs started to come to watch watch my games and stuff, and so kind of eventually it was either Brighton or Hull. So I went over to see Brighton. It was it was lovely. Um but the manager was Sammy Hoopia and he never called me in and said, oh, this is why you're su- we're signing you. I want you to do this, this and this. It just didn't happen. Whereas when I went to Hall, I met Steve Bruce and he was talking to me and saying they really want me to sign and kind of... So it was that personal connection? Exactly, yeah. So yeah. That, that's what kind of made my decision for me. Um, they were Premier League at the time were, as well? Yeah, Premier League. Um, so I started in training with them and I was doing quite well. I think Ireland had like a short Seamus Coleman and a couple other players were injured, so I got called up to the senior team. Um, what was it like uh, training with the Irish team? Unbelievable! It was, was it? weird, like players like Robbie Keane, Shane Long, Roy Keane, obviously being there, Martin O'Neill. Because a few months earlier I was playing against Bray away or whatever, and yeah. now I was up with the Irish team. So that was a, gr- a great week. Does Roy Keane? Um and you don't have to answer this if you want that. Does he treat the cockfellas better than the rest? I'd say he does. I think that's in his nature. Yeah, I think so. Uh, he, lo- he loves people from Cork. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially the north side. Yeah. Um, He's welcome on the podcast, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I always looked up to Roy Keane yeah. as a player. He was always... He, I was a very, very similar player to him. You know, um, tough. Really, really passionate about the game. You can probably see it in my face. Yeah, even, you know, know. but... I just love his my favorite. Yeah, there Ron is his jersey on. Yeah. Well, he was my f- most favorite player in the Premiership. Yeah, you know, yeah. ever I'd say, and I just loved watching him. Not just because he was from Cork, it's because he really the fans loved him. He was a, a tough player. He always done the right thing, and he was always there. And he threw a few f's as well at the other fucking yeah. Yeah. players that were just pussyfooting that around. That one, um, you know. Him and Vieira in the tunnel. Yeah, that would, yeah. That's brilliant. That wouldn't happen today. They'd both be sent off. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Banned, I'd say. Yeah. But you know, when he was at his peak as well, you know, he was playing in the Champions, a great United team now as well. Like yeah. He was the leader. But playing against the likes of Zidane and Rivaldo, Luis Figo, Ronaldo and Keane, like, you know, he'd be man of the match. And he'd the still like stand that, like, out. Yeah. Yeah. And he's from Mayfield. And it was yeah. like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It, it, we can all be fucking... We, it's all there for us too. He's only from, do you know, he's from the same city as us, do you know? Mm-hmm. You'll have to love the the other side of him as well, even the commentating at the moment. Brilliant. He is yeah. straight out there. He's cultural. Yeah. He's yeah. That's hilarious. what people need. You yeah. know? That's yeah. why all everyone's delighted with him on Sky is because yeah. he's so brutally honest. Yeah. And no one can question him because if someone questions him, is it, I've got seven Premier League titles, I have a Champions League, I've four FA Cups, I have this, yeah. I have that. Who are you yeah. to question me? Yeah. Whereas it's like, you yeah. know, sometimes, um, and I like Richie Sadlio on RT. I like Richie mm. Sadlio. But sometimes he gets trolled online. He gets a bit of hate online because his career was cut short through injuries, you know what I mean? Yeah. But he makes very valid points. But some people throw it in his face, you know. But you know what, Roy Keane, doesn't matter what he says. He's been there, done it. He was in the best team in the world. He was one of the best midfielders in Premier League history. So everything he says, he says with authority because he can, you know. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, it's a great thing because half the other fellas on Sky Sports are afraid of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They are actually. Yeah. It's, uh, the half of them are terrified in case yeah. he goes off on one. <laughs> Do you know? 
But look, uh, we digress a small bit. So you you went off the hull. What was it like? Was it a big step up from League of Ireland? It was, to be honest. Like the training was was a lot quicker. You know, people who know or play football know what boxes are. It's basically you're around in kind of a, a circle or whatever, and there's two people in the middle, and you have to keep the ball away from them. I was terrible. Like I thought I was good at Cork City, which I was, but went to Hull, then it was just. Yeah. Just really difficult. But eventually I settled in and went unknown to Blackpool, played two games for them and got injured for the first time. I injured my knee. Um, so then I came back to Hull and I was out for about a year. What kind of an injury did you get? Uh, my patella tendon. Okay. Um, That's behind the kneecap. Yeah. Um, so then I got back fit from that, started playing a lot of games with the under-23s and then I, I made my debut for Hull against Bolton in the championship. Um, and then two days after that, I played in the under-21 Premier League Cup final against West Ham. And I injured my knee in the first half, but I didn't really know it was injured. Same knee? Same knee. So I played all of the game, played extra time and took a penalty, all with my knee in pieces. But I didn't notice. Adrenaline was keeping Yeah, you. the next morning I woke up, my knee was about that size. So I went into training. Just after making my debut, things were going to go well. Um, and then bang, this happened. So it was kind of another... Big thing to deal with. Do you know, like when you're twenty, twenty one, and you're over in England, Bahal, um, and then you're out for a year. Like, I'd say it's very um, frustrating, uh, isolating. So isolating. Obviously, the physios are brilliant and they're well trained, not only to treat you physically but manage you mentally as well. Yeah. Um, and lots of people tried with me, but my mental health was was fairly bad. Like, you know, for the the first injury. Yeah. Was it bad for that as well? No, no. The first injury was like, look, this is just after happening. It can happen to anyone. I'll get back stronger, which mm. I did. Then it happened again. It's two days after making my debut. Um, uh, and you know what's ahead then again? Like, I'd, Yeah, it was kind of got, got back fit from that injury then and they were, we were relegated to the championship. So I was like, this is my year. I'm going to play. So I played every single preseason game and then before I played Aston Villa, the manager dropped me. Um, for what reason, I don't know, but... Was it Steve Bruce at the time? No, no, uh, the Russian manager. Oh, okay. Um, Check who that manager was, Ron. Leonid Slutsky. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 Slutsky. He was at CSKA Moscow for yeah. years, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he, he didn't like me and I didn't particularly like him either. It was kind of after that that my mental health kind of deteriorated and I was contemplating suicide. And Were you on your own over there? No, Bailey was living with me at this point. So I'd say it was tough for her too. Oh, so hard. What I put her through was just mm. criminal, and my my family as well. Um, but like, you know that wasn't your fault, then as well. Like, do you know, like, yeah, I I done the same stuff to my own wife and my own family. Like my own mental health. You know, we, we act in ways that we don't understand. You know, yeah. you're, not, you're not thinking rationally. Yeah. Like, you know? but yeah, I have a lot more understanding of it now yeah. since the help I got since I came back to Cork. I'm in St. Finbar's Hospital and I have a key worker, I have a nurse, doctor, psychiatrist, social worker, all helping me to to get where I need to be because yeah. what my GP said to me, I just went into him and I said, I can't understand why I can't be normal. He said to me, he was like, when, when what happened happened, there was a fire in your brain. Like That fire is out, but the earth is still scorched. I thought that was a really apt way of putting mm, it for that's him. That's a brilliant way. To, for me to understand. Yeah, that's... Unbelievable way to put it. Yeah. But once you've yeah. scorched earth, you can get fertile earth all. Exactly. Right? It'll come in. Go strong. Farmers yeah. burn fields to create. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So he put it like that to me, and I kind of went, "Wow, that's a good way of putting it." Yeah. There's no fire, but there's damage. And yeah. It's not completely destroyed, like no, there's, no. there's a way back. Do you know when the second knee injury happened? Was the exact same injury? No, it wasn't. I, the second injury, I tore my chondral surface, which is like a cartilage. It's really, really delicate, so it, like tears up, and they just go in and snip it and clean it up. Uh, but it doesn't actually regenerate or fix itself. Mm. So I still have trouble with my knee now on a daily basis. But yeah. it's, I'm not I'm not training or playing or anything, so it's not too bad. Do you know when the second injury happened here? Did you make a like were you out for a long time again? Uh, nine months this time. Is, was that a career and no, so? neither of them were career injury. Oh. They're just career. They affected your mental exactly. health. Exactly, affected my mental health. Affected my my um, progress as a player. Yeah, because I got. When I went there, when I was 19, when I was doing well, I was the good young player. But by the time I got back, there was good young players two, three years younger than me. Mm. So I was never really in the picture to, mm. to play. So probably your your best developmental years you probably missed, you know, in yeah. the couple of years where, like, you you were really growing your game, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you know the second injury then? That's when mental health kind of went downhill. After that, yeah, it was kind of went down. And then I got back fit and I was playing well, so I was happy. Mm. and I thought I was going to play and then that new manager came in and played me for every pre-season game and then just chucked me to the side So and what happened then were you stuck in the reserves or? no I wasn't even playing with the reserves I was just training just training every day but not playing isn't it amazing how, how uh, a relationship between a player and a manager can actually affect how a team plays like, absolutely like the, instead of just taking your relationship away from the situation from managers and just looking at the player as in he should be playing he's one of the top mm. he's one of the 11 and just playing him instead of just you know, being nasty about yeah. it do you know what no, I don't yeah. need this fella here or he's going on the bench it's true it just shows as well how important man management is yeah, you know and like yeah, yeah manage your players like the a good few players that was at United they said the best thing about Alex Ferguson wasn't the tactics or anything like that it was he knew every player in the club. He knew their mother's name. He knew their grandmother's name. And even if you were dropped, he'd make you feel like fucking mm. Hercules. Like yeah. Rooney said to him, Rooney said in a few interviews, like, if I wasn't playing and I was being rotated or rested or whatever, I'd still I'd still feel like I'm doing a big thing for the team because mm. he'd have managed me. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And that, and, But some managers don't do that well. And players can become isolated and fall out of love with the game. And I'd say you can easily fall out of love with the game when you're on the bench. You're not even on the bench at this stage. No, I was on the bench for the first five or six games, but it's, being on the bench or being not in the squad is the same thing for any yeah. player. You you're not play, playing, you're not playing. You want to like, play. And what kind of relationship have you got with your teammates? Yeah, I'm fine. Um, I was probably closest to David Myler, I'd say. He was yeah. very good to me. We both lived in the same village in Hull. Um, and I kind of got on well with a couple of other players like I wouldn't say any of them were my friends yeah um, so Hull wasn't a bad environment I just it just didn't work out for me it's worked mm. out for lots of people it's just you got unlucky with the manager I'd say well that's what I believe people might say I oh, know you weren't good enough or whatever but I'm entitled to have my own opinion So was there any option or talk about going out on loan anyway? yeah um, I went to go training with Rotherham yeah um, but as I said my head was Mess. Mm. I didn't give a good account to myself then. Yeah. So that's when I finished up there and I came home and decided what I was going to do. Um. <clears throat> so yeah. Do you know when you when you say like you were you were training away 
Um, but your head was a mess. How, oh yeah. How, like, can you explain a little bit about like what what kind of mental state you were in? I was just uh, under felt under savage pressure when I was playing. Um, my career wasn't going in the way I wanted it to, even though I put in so much hard work. Mm. Um, so yeah, I was just constantly thinking about that, thinking about other things. What am I going to do after football? There's no way I can live without football. Um, mm. But then obviously I attempted suicide, and that was my way out. If you like. Yeah, and um, without going into too much detail, mm-hmm. but do you want to tell us a little bit about not not the suicide attempt, but maybe the days leading up to it and what happened yeah, afterwards? Yeah, I can. Um, I wasn't sleeping at the time, so Bailey was there, and she wouldn't even know that I got up. I'd go out driving in my car, just around the village or around town or whatever, just contemplating what I'm going to do. And then I I made the decision what I was going to do. Um, I was going swimming in the morning at like seven o'clock before training. And to get to the pool and to come back, it was a really dangerous road. So I decided I was going to crash my car. Um, so that way, if I did die, people would think that it was an accident. Mm. Um, so that's basically what I was doing, but I couldn't physically do that. So then um, I just took a, a massive overdose then. You know, you, like for anybody that's listening here now, um, can you just explain how you actually felt, that real sense of hopelessness that you felt? Yeah. You know, because I have felt it before yeah. and in my own close close net family like my mother my mother committed suicide her partner would have committed suicide Brendan so I I know what it's like for a family member but because of them committing suicide there was a little when I was really at my worst and wanting to a way out there was a sense of pride really stopped me from carrying through with it you know, and I noticed like to feel that real sense of hopelessness, but something else kind of pushed the pride thing, kind of pushed me nothing to do it. You know, so can you just explain how how you felt? Uh, I suppose um, I had, I did feel terrible. You can feel it in your stomach. You can feel it physically. Um, like for it to be quite honest with you, I still think about suicide a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I have my son and. Yeah. nobody's going to be no one's going to father my son only myself yeah. so that's such a huge protective thing for me and that's not to say that Bailey and my parents and other people don't contribute to it they do mm. um, I just was so I love football so much that when it when it worked out so badly for me I was so heartbroken that's why I wanted to end my life because mm. I just was so heartbroken mm. and you put you've a lot to live for now mm. oh I do yeah I'm re- really positive now Yeah. and uh, I started a new medication recently called clozapine and it's been like a miracle drug for me. Yeah, has helped me so much. Do you know when you when you overdosed? Um, did somebody find you? Did you end up? Yeah, in I had the car door open, and I took the medication and downed it with a bottle of wine, and I left the door of my car open, and I could feel myself kind of going in and out of consciousness forever. And the next thing I knew, I woke up and I was in the hospital. Um, so yeah, it was quite strange. Were you in the hospital for a while? I was in the hospital for two days in Hull and then I went to Manchester for three months. So I spent three months in the psychiatric unit there. What was that like? Uh, it wasn't very pleasant, to be honest. Well, I can imagine. Yeah, but you had full-time care, which I needed at the time because I still wanted to die. Um, so yeah, I was very lucky with the care I got. I'd say your family would have been very, must have been heartbroken for you. Yeah, they were. They spent a lot of time over in Manchester because that's where I was. Yeah. Um, my mum described it to me a couple of weeks ago. She said, it's like going out on a sunny day and having an umbrella up over your head. I was like, what do you mean? She said, because we're waiting for the rain to fall. Mm. The rain falling being my life 
come crashing down again. Yeah. Well, I can relate with that because yeah. um, I've been in situations as well where I would have been hospitalised through, yeah. through drugs, overdoses and stuff like that. Um, and I would have had suicide attempt too. Um, but like the family coming up to you mm-hmm. and they're just powerless, you know what I mean? They just want what's best for you, but you just can't think straight, you can't see way out. And you, I just felt like I was actually probably better off out of their lives. I was better off dead because I, all I bring to the family is a ball of negativity. Mm-hmm. And I, I convinced myself that mm-hmm. I was better off out of the equation, you know what I mean? And yeah. that's that's where we go with it. Like, it's not like a selfish thing to do to try and take your own life or to just take a load of drugs. It's just you convince yourself that you're better off doing that and staying away from them. Yeah. Do you know the way your mother would have felt? Um, just like like the analogy you gave there. A lot of parents that have drug addicted um, kids feel the exact same way. It's like they're waiting for the knock at the door or the phone call to say that they're after dying of a drug overdose or they're after being killed. You know, so that's quite common. It's yeah. just it's just a different way because. Your mother was worried of you that you might try to take your own life again. But when you're in addiction, your life could be taken at any moment because of the amounts of drugs that you'd put into your system, your body mightn't be able to handle them. You know, drug overdose and jams is violence and crashes and, vil- and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, it's just, just risky just, lifestyle. Yeah, it's just the, the lifestyle in general. Is but it's just the dangerous. same. It's, it's the same. It's very similar to what you experienced or what we experience in terms of being in a headspace where you're probably where it's like self-harming, do you know what I mean? And yeah. you're, you're living a, you're in a headspace where your life is on the edge at any moment it can be taken mm-hmm. and the mother and the father are waiting for the phone call from the, the hospital or the priest or anything, you know, so um, you were in the hospital anyway in Manchester for three months. Yeah. Um, when you got out of it, did you come home? I did, I came home for two weeks and I was petrified because I didn't know who knew or all this kind of stuff um, and then we went back to Hull and I finished up my contract and all the legal stuff and then we moved to Manchester so we got an apartment there in Media City and it was brilliant so we lived there for a year my son was born son was born in Manchester and three months later we moved back to Cork so we've been in Cork since um, and it's been it's been really nice having people around that yeah. you know people that I'm close to yeah, mm-hmm. what was um? How was Hull? Uh, what way was the club when you were in hospital? Was when I was in hospital, I had a, the club doctor was brilliant. Mark Waller, he's the Rangers doctor now at the moment. He was brilliant with me. We won't hold that against him. No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was Liverpool doctor before that. We won't hold that against him either. <laughs> yeah, no, he was really good, and yeah. they were all really good. They really helped me kind of finish up in an amicable way or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So there was no like bad blood. No, I had bad blood for a certain individual. Yeah. but I won't go into that. Yeah. Um, but other than that, like I, I don't look back on Hull as a bad part of my life. Yeah. It's just that what happened happened, and I think, just as some people say, when your numbers up, it's up. I think it was inevitable that this was going to happen to me. Did you? Uh, so you retired, so not because of physical injury, no. but because of your mental health. Yeah. Um, was that on doctor's orders or yeah. did you come to that decision yourself? Well, I kind of, it was a combination of both really. Yeah. I knew and accepted myself that I wouldn't be able to go into a football environment. It would just make my mental health de- deteriorate again. So kind of speaking with the doctors, we all agreed that it would be the best thing for me not to continue. Yeah. 
and that was the best thing I think yeah and you know when you come home to Cork then I said it was good to be home as it of your friends really and family th- around you people think Ireland and England are very similar they're not I think they're very very different mm. um, so yeah I just I suppose you like what you're used to and I, I love Cork and I love the people and I love Ireland so yeah. and Cork, do, you know, do, you, do you know what it's, it's, it, like, it's a few years ago um, for somebody's mental health to be in a bad situation you know, it was different. Nowadays, there's no shame in somebody saying, you know what, I'm struggling. There's absolutely no shame in it because I would have done it myself, you would have done it, you know what it's like. And, and like, the more we talk about this and the more young people particularly and, and other ages listen to it and, and understand that it's okay to talk about these issues, the more people's lives are going to be saved. Absolutely. Yeah. You, I heard... Um heard this recently that um, for a person to face adversity and come out the other side it's like buying a ticket to a destination you never thought you would go to mm. the unknown and it was like just like say for you to put that in yourself or Timmy's yeah you faced adversity you got out the other end of it and you now have done college degrees you never would have thought you would have gotten to that point no and the, the people the person that I am today anyway I would never be the person I am today if I didn't go through all that hardship because I'm just grateful. Exactly. Grateful for my health and my opportunities that I have in my life today. You know, and like you've been through an awful lot as well. But now you can, you know, you're in a better place today and you have your partner, your family and your child and you can appreciate all that. You know? Absolutely. What age are you? I'm 26. You're still a young man, Brian. Like your yeah. life is, like I was 31 when I, when I stopped using, like and that's when my life started. You know, and then I had, I'm 40 now. Um, and that's f- from the age of 31 up to where I am now. There was a lot of really difficult times because I had to face all the shit that I'd done in addiction, all the stuff I was f- full of shame for, all the stuff I had a lot of guilt for, I had all my fears and stuff. And my it wasn't until, no, I don't want to be saying something like, it takes a certain, certain amount, but I had a lot of issues to deal with, yeah. you know, um, and it took me a lot of therapy. I, I, I was seeing different forms of counsellors and, and psychologists and psychotherapists for about six years of my, the beginning, you know, and, and meditation was a massive thing. And I always mention meditation because I don't know who's listening, you know, and they might need to hear meditation is something that could help them with their mental health or yeah. help them with their awareness or whatever. You know, so um, it's very important, basically, like, yeah. to, to get these stories out there. And, yeah, and, definitely. You know? Do you know, like, um, looking back now, do you think that for young fellas now that's in your position, they're probably the best, they're probably the best at their club, right? They're yeah. in the Cox School Boys Leagues, you know, um, they're looking at a career, that's where they're heading. Do you think that it's risky for a young person in that situation to put all their eggs in one basket in terms of the football and kind of maybe drop out of education or maybe look take their eye off work? Um, because if it doesn't work out for you, you're kind of, you know, like there was no plan B. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think having a plan B is unbelievably important, especially when you see players going to England at 16. I think it's far too young to be honest mm. and people say yeah but from 16 to 18 all the coaching every day you're going to get is going to be more than what you get in Ireland and that's true f- to a, up to a certain extent but like I just think education is hugely important to do both side by side mm. um, I think 
the oldest, say, a player playing in, with Cork City in Turner's Cross, doing well, and is 23. They can go at 23. Mm. 23, 23, 24, I think, is like the cut-off point to, like to go to England. Yeah. But players are going to go at 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. So you can do your leaving start up until you're 19. Get it done. Yeah. And then you have, however, you have 20, 21, 22, 23, four years to learn your, your craft and get good at it and then get spotted and brought yeah. over. Um, and those players went from City abroad late, late enough, didn't uh, Kevin yeah. Doyle? Kevin Doyle, yeah. He went over late enough. I think Shawnee was in his 20s, Shawnee McGuire. 22, maybe, yeah, 23. Yeah, so it's, you don't have to be... That's six. what I'm trying to say. If people are like, well, I can't do well in school and well in football, I need to just do football because that's what I love. You can do both. You might get the greatest leaving cert, but at least you have it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, and it's important, even like just to have an interest or have your eye on something. You know what I mean? Just you know, mm-hmm. don't put, if you put all your eggs in the one basket. Yeah, you're limiting your options. Yeah. Then yeah, you uh, could, and as I said, it sounds like a relationship. It sounds from from me looking back and looking at your your relationship with f- football. It was like a love story. Oh yeah. It was like, um, and then all of a sudden, like, one of you fell out of love, you know, and then it just went bad. That's how relationships, some some men do get very, very, very depressed, and women, mm. when relationships... You hit the nail on the head. Yeah. It's a relationship. Yeah. You know, and there's a love, love, there's a love for it. And I can see with you that you were very, very passionate about football. Like, mm. you know, it wasn't about... We all hear the stories about how much money a, f- a Premiership football was around, but when you're very passionate about something and you love it so much, you know, the rest of it doesn't matter. Yeah. Mm. You know what I mean, Brian? And I can see that. I can see it that you really loved loved football and shows, you know. You know, and um, listen, your story is fantastic. Yeah. Really? Like, Thank you. And I don't, when I say fantastic, I mean in a sense that it's going to help a lot of people. Well, that, that's, I don't like the sound of my own voice or yeah. I don't like being on camera. But like, We get used it, to it. <laughs> yeah, we get used to it. If it helps someone, and I mean, yeah. one person, like, as I said, when I've done other stuff, people have messaged me and said, oh, this was great, blah, blah, blah. So yeah. it's a positive thing and, and I'm only happy to do it. Yeah. yeah. No, like your story is, is like, I'm sure it's after happening to a lot of other footballers as well. Mm. You know, something being so passionate about something, yeah. something like that happened. Was, there, was it the German or Dutch keeper you mentioned yeah, earlier? Yeah, Robert Enke. Robert Enke was a German national goalkeeper. He would have been around the time of Oliver Kahn, so he would have been probably the German number two, but still a top-class goalkeeper, Champions League level, you know. Mm. But uh, suffered with very, very poor mental health throughout his career and ended up putting... Um, he he died by suicide. He went out in front of a train. Yeah, there's a, he's got a great there's a great book about him. Out. Uh, I'll I'll actually leave the link in the description of this video. Um, Robert Enka. Mm-hmm. But you know you were ta- you were touched on something there around footballers. Like a footballer has a lot of status. Um, sometimes they have a lot of money if they're in the Premier League, mm-hmm. especially. But they're not they're not um superheroes either, mm-hmm. and they're human like me, you, two arms, two legs. And it doesn't matter if you're on 100 grand a week. If you do your uh, anterior cruciate ligament and you're over 12 months, you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. It's going to affect you because every footballer in the world, no matter who you are and how much money you're on, they grew up loving football and playing on the street like us. They played mm. school boys like us. Mm. It's, they, they're in it for the love of it, first and foremost. It, it, like, when you play football, 
you're playing football because you love it. The, the money is always kind of secondary, you know. And I often you see fellas there, you know. Sometimes fellas come off the field with injuries and they're in tears, you know, because you know the long road ahead. Yeah. And if you're after an injury before that, doesn't matter. The money is not in your mind. I was mind. balling. I was in the treatment room in Hull, and all the players were coming in out. And I was balling my eyes out. Mm. Another year of this. Yeah. Yeah, it can be disheartening, can't it? Is tell me this: is there is there a good team of of psychologists and doctors around their players when they do get injured? Because I think that's this. Sh- There's a psychologist, but when we were there, I don't think a lot of people went to see him. To be honest, yeah. I think everyone was ignorant to what how that could help them. Mm. Yeah, um, think that's the masculine. Side? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. 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 But it, you could have went to the doctor and say, oh, like I did, I said I don't feel well, and he sent me to see a psychiatrist. That was at the very beginning. Mm. So, like, if you ask for help, you'll get help, and they'll go above and beyond for you no matter what. Mm-hmm. Do you know what's popping into my head now? Um, it's to, for clubs to have somebody that has gone through it. You know, senior players to have gone through that, and from to be on call to talk to people, like talk a mentor. To yeah, like, I, I, and that would really help them, just give them a little bit of advice and how to deal with mm. stuff like that. Yeah, you know, because. Um, from listening to your own story, Brian, and like it could have been a really lonely, lonely place because you felt like you were on your own. And then, as you said earlier, all the younger players were coming up, and they were good as well. And you, you're, then you start getting these thoughts that you're you're never going to get in there again yeah, after. Football, we, yeah. football doesn't wait for anybody. Yeah. It really doesn't. And it's very business orientated yeah. as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. but um, I'm going to ask you a few questions. I ask Arod. No yeah. bother. Who's the best player you played against? Played against um, Martin Samuelson. He um, he was at West Ham and he played in that one twenty one cup final, mm. and he was just so so good. Really brilliant. He was at Man City and then he went to West Ham and I played against him in that game and he turned me inside out a few times. <laughs> what was his name? Martin. Martin Samuelson. Samuelson. Must look him up. Who's he playing now? Uh, I'm not sure he's with at the moment. Mm. I don't think his career has gone up, up, but... He was, he was a brilliant. class at that level, oh, anyway. brilliant. Yeah. Uh, the best player you played with? It's a very easy answer. That's Colin Healy. Garrod said the it's same the thing. the same answer. I was saying yeah. to James, what, my first train in Cork City, I was still with Corinthians, and they just brought me out to train. Colin burst my nose. <laughs> and I was pissing blood, and I was just looking like, is he going to say sorry to me? or <laughs> No, sorry, nothing. Next tackle, I went in hard on him. But no, he's brilliant. The, yeah. the story around going around, I think it was um, Clinton Morrison, did he play with Ireland? He did, yeah. He told a story of um, Roy Keane and some young Cork guy with the under-21s kicking lumps out of each other. That was Colin Healy. <laughs> oh, yeah. And Roy, they played seniors against 21s in a match. They were kicking lumps out of each other. Yeah. So they'd never seen anything like it. Very yeah. similar players too, weren't yeah. they? Oh, Colin's unbelievable. Yeah. Honestly, what a what a player, Very cool and head what then. a person, and what a manager he's going to be. Yeah. yeah, I just hope he's given the time and any bit of money yeah. they do have to to build a good side. Yeah, and I, I remember um, I know Colin Healy well. Obviously, like he reminded me kind of like Michael Carrick. Yeah, kind of has that build, tall and slim, very comfortable on the ball, both feet, yeah. always calm, always looks like they have a bit of space, you know. And he just seems like a gent of a man. Unbelievable. Um, and I hope they do well. And we might see out in Cork City. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Bailey's big into big into football more more so than me. So well, she'll, uh, she'll be dragging me out. You've no you've no affinities with any clubs at the moment. No, no. 
would you consider going back to Corinthians in a coaching role or something in the future maybe maybe when Roman gets to that age if he wants to play or yeah, I heard not me himself to go looking for right back <laughs> <laughs> if you're ever thinking <laughs> no money ball happened no yeah. but Jesus you know yeah it'd be great to go back into your own club at some stage and maybe help the younger yeah, players no, come right. up Right, you know, maybe even uh, as as Timmy was saying, maybe as a, a mentor to the the younger guys coming up, um, if not a coach, you know. I suppose I don't have a platform on social media to to offer my services. Mm-hmm. I'm not qualified or anything. But if anyone does want to talk to me, I'm open. I mm-hmm. don't judge anybody. Or, exactly. yeah, so I don't need a platform. You're Brian Lennon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're well known yeah. and you're well respected. Um, you know, people understand who you are and the. You know your contribution to Cork City, um, and the trajectory you ran, and um, I can speak as a fan of Cork City at the time, um, and as a fan of yourself because when my nephews were out with Corinthians, you used to come back and do a bit of training with them as well. You know, so um, I was heartbroken for you when it happened. Yeah. And but I, I, it's it's an honour to talk to you here today. No, I, I'm privileged to to be able to talk about these things with you, and you've obviously done this from the ground up. And mm-hmm. as I said, honesty when you're talking about your own like yeah. problems, so well, yeah, nothing but respect. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's mutual. Believe me. Um, thanks for coming on the podcast. No problem. Talk with us. Um, thanks, Timmy. Thanks, Rowan. And uh, we'll see everybody again next week. Thanks, thanks for Cheers, thanks. lads. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.